So yeah, we can start whatever. Nice. Do you do a little introduction? Yeah, well, Max, do you want to introduce our guest today? So we've got the big man, Jim Pope, on the podcast. Everyone should know who he is. And if you don't, then where have you been? (laughs) Cheers. Thanks for having me. Sorry, bro. It's all right. It's going to be quite hard not to talk over each other, Max, I think. Yeah, I know. We just have to take turns, innit? Yeah. Share out the wonder that is Jim. So what have you been up to, Jim? Well, same as everyone, I guess. Just kind of sat at home, a lot of fingerboarding. Uh, I've, I'm actually not been too bored. I've got quite a lot of uni projects on at the moment. So I've kind of been occupied with loads of little jobs like that and stuff. But yeah, no climbing, just the odd bit of training at home. Yeah, it's quite quite hard finding a balance between doing productive stuff and just taking the time to rest and chill out because yeah, yeah you've yeah. got, you got a lot of free time to get on with your uni projects but you also feel like whilst you're at home you should be you know having a bit having a bit of a break from it all mm, yeah exactly it feels like a little bit of a holiday especially when the weather's been this good but yeah, yeah. I've, i'll be fully finished in a month or so so is kind of even though I'm not at uni, it is kind of the hardest, busiest point of the whole course, really. Yeah. Also, it must be quite difficult for you doing a well full time university. Well, not really full time, but university balancing that with training, even in a time like this where we are training full time. There's still a lot of commitment to both things. Like yeah. I was talking about with school. With university, that's pretty much the same, but for an extra four years after school. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I've always like quite liked to have something else going on. I think if I'm solely climbing, I get not bored of it, but it definitely I, I struggle to just solely climb all the time. So it's nice to have another bit of like brain stimulation coming from something else. So I'm definitely grateful for that, but I'm definitely looking forward to it being done now. I've kind of going straight into uni after A-levels. I'm looking forward to a bit of a break from education. Yeah, just disconnected. I couldn't hear anything. Oh, shit. I was leaving. I was being quiet for you to talk, but... <laughs> yeah, it's, dis- it's disconnected. So I was just like, oh, we're probably still talking. So just, uh, Jim was just saying about how he enjoys having something other than just climbing, because I don't know if I've just had too much on at the same time with school. And I just can't cope with it as well as Jim. But personally, I feel at the moment I much prefer having just one thing to focus fully on. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. guess it comes with different personalities and, I don't know, yeah, I mean, we're completely different in some respects, but I always feel like I would function better having just one task to focus on and yeah, not having to split yeah. my attention and schedule stuff like that. I think I quite often struggle with like motivation as well. So at the moment, like I have very little psych for climbing. Like it's hard to do any form of training when I don't know when I'm even going to be able to climb again. It all seems a little bit just like really hard to get myself psyched at the moment. So if I was, if that, if climbing was the only thing I was doing, maybe, and maybe I would keep that motivation up more. I don't know, but it might also just be like. I don't know if I get to appear like I'm now where I'm not psyched to it. I just wouldn't be doing anything if I didn't have anything else. Mad. What about, yeah. what about you, Max? Because I know you made a conscious decision like me just to focus on climbing and dedicate your life to, well, this part of your life to exactly one aspect of climbing, specifically bouldering for you at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I was like a little kid as well, <clears throat> people would be like, oh, do you want to go to uni? Do you want to do that? And I was like, nah, I'm not going to go to uni. So in my head, I feel like I engraved that from a young age. And I was just like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, I didn't climb back then. But I was like, I'm not going to uni. Like, I don't like school. I don't really like that type of learning. So, like, that was a conscious decision I made years ago. But, um, yeah, and then I just found climbing. And it was, like, my passion. and my gives me my sole purpose and my yeah just that's the one thing i want to focus on and enjoy what i enjoy doing nice. as well but with what jim said 
I don't think about climbing 24-7. Like, that's, like, boring. So when I'm chilling, I watch a lot of, like, other sports, so fighting and stuff like that, football, because if I'm just watching climbing all the time, then I feel like I don't enjoy it as much as well. I think as well, like, you guys are now starting, well, for Max, you've been doing it for a few years already, I guess, climbing full-time, and Hamish, you're just about to, but for me, as soon as I finished uh, A-levels, I went straight to uni, so I've never actually, like, fully focused on climbing, but when I finish uni, I think I'm definitely going to do that for the next, like, two years at least, maybe four. I've said that I'd like to try and go for, like, the 2024 Olympics, so if I, if I do keep with that, then I'll only climb for the next four years see how i can handle it <laughs> yeah do you think that would uh mean sacrificing outdoor climbing because there's going to be a lot of competition for the 2024 olympics there's big names at the moment that are going to be targeting it and it might be more difficult than it sounds to balance competition climbing and outdoor climbing as people get more dedicated to the sport yeah totally i mean it I guess it also depends how many like more spaces they're going to free up for 2024. They might change the quota. They might like double the athlete size. Maybe it's an absolute flop in Japan and they just take it out altogether. So yeah. I don't know we just got to wait and see. But I think, yeah, for sure, if I'm going to, if I'm going to put everything into it, I will put all my eggs in that basket and just go for that. Really. I don't think that will exclude outdoor climbing for me. It's definitely important to kind of, try to get outside quite regularly and have a bit of a balance but I'd probably just put that into certain parts of the year so that I'm kind of I could use it as a block of training rather than just going out for fun uh-huh yes yeah, hard to balance and hard to follow like hard to do when you've got a strict training plan like I know you do and I do it feels yeah. like time spent outdoors is making climbing more of a hobby than a like a elite sport dedication it feels more you got well personally for me I would go outside to have fun with some friends maybe not necessarily see it as a training experience although I might just be looking at it from the wrong point of view because I'm sure there are crossovers between outdoor mm. and indoor climbing such as footwork route moving all of that I think fitness as well you know if you're going sport climbing and you go to if you stay in the UK it's you're not really going to ever do many like long routes even if you're training inside you'll just be going round and round in a circuit circle I think there's a lot to be said for like going abroad going to like Spain or somewhere like South France loads of really long routes for a few weeks and just be doing like six routes a day you just rack up so much mileage I think personally for me I've done that for the last like four years or so now and I always feel fittest after those trips in which I so I try and tie that in with like the lead season I'll go away climb outside for ages come back do a bit more indoors and then go to the comps and personally that's what I like so I think I'll factor in that sort of thing if I go for this next four-year cycle but if I was to I'd probably cut out a lot of the like just going out in the week locally or like the trad that sort of thing uh-huh. no that's cool that's a nice way to do it as well because you get to go out and go away for a few months or whatever and just climb outside and that's it's nice i've not really been on a mm. trip at all what do you so for people like yourselves who just kind of or currently <clears throat> just focus on comps what about when all of that's done like you finish your comp career what then only very very recently have i been on an outdoor trip and i had no expectations i had no idea how good i was going to be outdoors and it's quite refreshing to see that I can still climb hard outdoors, even though I haven't done it necessarily. I've built the fitness indoors, and it is definitely crossover that way around with training indoors and climbing outdoors. And it kind of opened my eyes to a whole other world of climbing and perhaps a whole other lifestyle after competitions and even during the season, as you're just talking about. It's, I think I enjoyed the experience of climbing hard stuff outdoors in Spain just as much as competing maybe even more in some aspects so for now i'm definitely wanting to climb indoors but i'm also quite committed to climbing hard outdoors after all this is done yeah so you're not going to do any for the next four years uh well not necessarily not going to do any but 
I'm going to focus more on yeah it for the Olympics before the cycle as you're talking about. But if that includes going to say use with you as you've just discussed, I'm more than happy to do that. <laughs> I'll nice. definitely enjoy it just as much as competing. Wicked. Yeah, well, you for can... me, um, with outdoor stuff and indoor stuff, all my main goals and what I'm driven to do is just, I just love training and like the lifestyle works around that. So eating good, sleeping good and just being in a really good routine. I just feel at my most happiest and my mental health is just good and I'm just thinking good, positive things and I'm going out training hard on the board or whatever it is. And so going outdoors, I'm not motivated to do that at the moment. But after comp climbing and I've achieved everything I'm capable of achieving, I will set new goals outdoors and nice. try and maximise those out. Yeah, man. Yeah. I feel like it's quite a normal progression to go from full-time competition climb to outdoor. Climb yeah, totally. Climbing harder. Totally. Seems to be a lot of people who've done that successfully. Yeah, I think it's a pretty easy transition. You know, the the, the style and cl- the climbing in comps is so much harder than what you well than like a lot of things outside and I think if you're used to that volume and intensity of training it's pretty easy to go outside and just smash out some big numbers straight away <laughs> that's the plan I think that's what you've already done <laughs> kind of two big numbers for people who don't know uh, Hamish do you want to tell them about your trip and what um, your grades you've done before you went out there and then the <laughs> yeah. um well, last uh, December, just after Christmas, I left on Boxing Day for 14 days. I went to Tirana in Spain. Didn't really have a big plan when I went there. We kind of winged it, hitchhiking everywhere. A bit of a sloppy first trip in like organization, but that's kind of the <laughs> way I wanted to do it. Come out of my comfort zone a bit, just focus on the climbing. I just went with some friends from the competition scene. And yeah, I went into the trip with no real expectation of what to do because I hadn't really climbed outdoors. I think my hardest grade before then was 8A, which I did after some competition, like on the day of finals or whatever. We went out afterwards in Wales and I did an 8A. And it was, oh, nice. But I never really pushed myself. So I went there. We got there late one night. The next day went out, had like an easy day. Didn't really do too much, just getting used to the style. Then we went and tried Jungle Speed, which is a famous 9A route, which I think has recently been downgraded to AC Plus, but no one really knows. And yeah, we worked out the moves and I sent it within two sessions or a session and a half. So that was pretty big for me because I had no real expectation. It was so nice to see that this whole other side of climbing is open to me. I'm not just a competition climber after this is done. I've hopefully got many years of sending outdoor projects, hard stuff, which opens a lot of doors sponsorship-wise, etc. Then, yeah, uh, we had New Year's, which uh, I needed a couple of rest days after. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then went and did Amweta, another famous 9A, AC Plus slash 9A, within a session and a half again. So, yeah, I still feel like I haven't pushed my grade boundaries so much but it's refreshing to see that I have potential to climb way harder than I thought yeah I really enjoy outdoor climbing projecting stuff and there's nothing I really want more than to get my teeth sunk into a really hard project just need to find the right time to do it you think you'd try that in the UK or abroad or probably abroad hopefully abroad I don't think I could mentally go to, I don't know, Raven Tour every day or something. <laughs> I think it's easier to project something, go day in, day out in a beautiful location, like in Spain yeah. or in France. But yeah, again, that's a lot harder to <laughs> get to, obviously. It requires more commitment, renting an apartment, flights, etc. So it's definitely easier to do it in the UK, but whether that would maybe burn out I don't really know 
so yeah have uh, you got any routes that you'd like to do UK or other either of you I'll go if you want routes outdoors uh, I don't really do routes that much you know <laughs> I'm um... bold as either I'm just outdoor problem because it's kind of within those in competitions obviously the route changes every time but it's yeah sometimes what, I... would dream, what would you dream bolder be yeah dream block dream bolder i want to on the dream tick this i want to flash karma 80 well 80 plus in front i've already yeah. said this to both of you <laughs> that's on the dream that'd be sick to do nice. um but it's like it's never been done before so that's why i want to do it and just be like get that first ever flash on a such a famous and iconic boulder um and i speak this like and it probably won't well it might not happen but if it does then there's no harm in trying in it yeah like, exactly well your first go you always try flash something really don't you yeah and if you don't then <laughs> you're appreciating it <laughs> Um, right. uh, what is it like hard boulders I don't know I want a big island in front as well but I think oh. that's just I'm too small yeah it I might be a bit spanny that one <laughs> I don't think I'll ever do it that'd be sick but I don't think I'll that's just like the aesthetics of that boulder just yeah. I think that's one for you so yeah it is lanky arms yeah <laughs> I look for that he wants a fun trip I'd love you, to go, yeah. I tried, him. well, I went a few, I went just before, for New Year's actually, but it was, you know, it just rained most day, most of the days. So, yeah, hardly climbed there, but would love to go properly sometime. To send anything in particular or just? Oh, just anything there. <laughs> I think, like, for the first few visits, like, it's worth just doing so much of the climbing. It's not just about smashing hard things all the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's something I need to learn. <laughs> I think at the moment, because I don't go outdoors enough, I feel like it's a, well, I would feel, I've never been before, but I would feel like it's a trip wasted if I go and don't push myself, even if that's yeah. what's best for me. Is it purely about numbers for you then, do you think? Or like, uh, do you care much about like the line or I the climb itself or the history behind it? Not so much history. Uh, I much, yeah, obviously a beautiful line or something aesthetic, but yeah. Like good. jungle speed. Like jungle speed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like Dreamcatcher. Yeah. In British yeah, Columbia, it's my dream climb. I must have watched that video of like Sean McCall doing it hundreds of times. Have it's, you seen the, the OG footage of Sharma doing it? Yeah, I've seen every video nice. of it here. <laughs> I think I could go through the entire sequence. Nice. It's just that is the route that I want to do the most. And, yeah. Cool. It's just such a beautiful line and it's hard because yeah. I don't feel like doing beautiful, easy lines has the same feeling or I don't know. Just the feeling of pushing yourself is more important to me than aesthetics, I think. Yeah. Basically, I, I agree with Hamish on this as well. Like I prefer well, I don't prefer, but I just love to push myself and, like, try maximum. I feel this is why I love Boldrum a lot more, because you, you can do yeah. harder moves. And just, for me, I get the maximum out of that. But it's like, because some of the Boulder, which I love to do, where I put up a hard first ascent in Aberdeen, and it is tiny. It's really steep in the hang. <laughs> it's like, looking at it, it's not really, like, an appealing and like beautiful boulder but the moves are so cool and hard and that's what triggered me to really want to do it and it had never nice. been done before so i was like i want to do it and just that's it. the one down by the like by the beach huh is that lord yeah, farquhar, yeah. Lord lord farquhar. farquhar. Yeah. nice has anyone gone and got on that do you know um nah not really i've tried dave dave mcleod this is from here and other people he him and Tim Rankin, who he's like an OG old old guy in Aberdeen who just like crushes and like put <laughs> so much stuff in the coast. Nice. Who's a big inspiration for me, who I looked up to when I was younger. But um, 
Yeah, they used to try it from like the stand, and it was just like a one move to the top. Yeah, and we're just like trying that um, move, but then I was like, I, when I was like fourteen, I saw it, and I tried it a few times, but it was like way too hard. And I came back and did it from like three moves down. Cool. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I've seen the video. It, it's good. quite a cool video, and like some pretty good photographer, well, filmmaker made that. I was quite happy with that, how that turned out. So, Jim, I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. With your motivation, you're talking about earlier how you're not particularly motivated for competitions because the season's kind of been cancelled. There isn't anything in the immediate future. Yeah. Are you, even when you don't have an outdoor climbing trip planned, because the route's always there and you could always, you know, you could always potentially go and do a route whenever you want if you just book a flight yeah. and go try it. Are you more motivated to train for specific outdoor routes than competitions? I think at the moment, motivation-wise, wasn't so much for not for comps. It was just like not for training in general. It's like with the uncertainty of not knowing whether you can climb in like one month or three months, it's just kind of, it's, it's like I feel like I'd just be training at the moment just to maintain some kind of base for whenever I can do anything, which is... I don't know, while I'm finishing up my uni, I'm just trying to get that done at the moment and then I'll hopefully like pick it back up. But um, I'm always psyched for like trips. I had a few trips booked, which I was really keen for, but then obviously both of those are cancelled now. So um, they're out of the pipeline. But I guess it'll just be for like the end of the season, Spain kind of trip or something like that. Because I feel like, and I think Max feels the same, I've spoken to him before, we're in such a routine of, training i don't really suffer with motivation or motivational like a lack of motivation just because i'm so used to training now it's kind of part of my day I yeah automatically i wake up and i look at my family okay that's what i'm doing today i never really question whether i'm going to do it or not yeah because it's so ingrained into me to do it so it's interesting to hear that someone else who's obviously trains just as hard as me made like if your motivation is based on competitions or when you're going to be able to train yeah it's interesting to hear yeah i mean i think as well for me like goals are pretty important for my motivation and for the first half of the year i'd like set all my goals and then went on to achieve all of those and then i had ones for this season coming up but now that none of those are like there anymore it's kind of I just I need to sit down and kind of think of some new objectives but it's just hard to think of something new when yeah like I keep saying you don't know when when that's going to be so yeah it's hard to set them like short-term goals because short-term we have no idea what's happening like training goals and that sort of thing but I don't know so they're all just your main goals at the moment yeah well, you said your main goal at the moment is just getting uni. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to get yeah, done in it. Yeah, that's just not climbing so goals right now. Yeah. And is your uni stuff or anything in particular? Do you have like a specific job you want at the end of it, or is it just as a backup plan in case you get injured or what? Uh, I don't think I ever really saw it as like a backup plan. I'm not sure how much I will use my degree. I fully intend to like just be a professional climber for as long as possible whether I do that like through comps or outdoor climbing but I did my degree in um, sport and exercise science so it's pretty I can always apply it to training and I kind of uh, maybe would someday go into like coaching that sort of thing Uh yeah I guess after competitions and outdoor climbing unless you've made millions which is extremely rare I think quite a lot of people or top-end athletes get to a point where they kind of don't have any way to make a living anymore. Yeah, I guess there's some rare cases like Steve McClure, say, who keeps climbing harder as he gets into his 50s. But I think for most people, they get to, some, say... Someone like Steve still uh, has to work a hell of a lot, though. You know, he's setting, like, a few times a week, writing a lot of articles for magazines and stuff and doing workshops that sort of thing so yeah even Repeat. someone like steve who's uh, maybe best second best sport climber in the uk right now is kind of you know he's 
he's still, I wouldn't say, like a full-time professional climber. Yeah, not everyone's a superhuman as Steve McClure. I reckon some people would get injured way before they manage to get to a point that he has. And then I face with the issue of having no way to make a living because they've, like me, have neglected university in favour of competition climbing or sport climbing or whatever type of climbing that gets to a certain age and they kind of don't have a second option yeah across that bridge when i get to it yeah yeah i'm <laughs> always for that kind of mindset like okay everything will just sort itself out at some point yeah <laughs> yeah well like i've got no idea what i'll do if um i don't climb like i, I don't really know what i put my energy into but i feel like i'd find something yeah and even this like making podcasts or something like this this is still productive use of my energy so i'd maybe go down more professional podcaster yes professional podcaster that's just <laughs> this is the start isn't it and um, it'd be it'd be mad to like in like five years time you know we said i would like you want to in four years go to the olympics mm-hmm. i feel like you should come back in five years and we look at this <laughs> podcast and see like see what the crack what, is has happened yeah because i feel like all our goals is pretty similar and we all want to get to um tokyo no paris sorry so that would be a big talking point same <laughs> thing i imagine if we all all three one two three that would <laughs> be mental but yeah just be cool to look back and be like oh actually we could say where do you where do you both see yourself in like five years like, what do you think you want to achieve? Not just, like, um, the Olympics. I mean, obviously, in climbing terms, yeah, like Olympics, there's a lot I'd like to do outside. But, I don't know, just, like, be well set in life as well, you know? Like, have a house, yeah. that sort of thing. Maybe not in five years' time, but definitely be, like, working towards it. So, whether you're getting, making, living through climbing, I think is pretty tricky. Maybe, like, only a handful of climbers are making enough to sort of get to that sort of level. But yeah, I don't know. It's predominantly climbing goals, but I just like to always be kind of relatively comfortable with, with like living. Yeah. I, I think it's important to have non-climbing goals in your life as well. Yeah, for sure. you don't want to just stagnate and just fo- focus everything into that. I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, so it's quite hard when your life is completely surrounded by climbing. Yeah. Find another passion or something that excites you as much as climbing hard or climbing beautiful lines. I think it's going to be quite tricky if... for me anyway to find something that matches. Yeah. I don't know if that's even possible, you know. But I don't think I'd feel or be this motivated to do another thing as I'm... No. Or, yeah. I don't think you can do two things and give everything to both of them either nah. i don't feel and even we've all started climbing at a young age as well and it's something that's been not only that we enjoy so much through sheer practice of it doing it for so long but when we were younger it was our passion before we even mm. decided to i mean we all i can speak definitely for myself like i used to always just climb trees climb buildings climb everything so it's kind of ingrained into my personality far deeper than sheer habit. So it feels like it would be a waste not to make the most of this opportunity. Yeah. And in five years' time, I'll be 23, so I'll be still happy to live in a van. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That used to be one of my life goals, to live in a van really? for a while. I don't know. If, <laughs> yeah. I'm not really too keen on it yeah. anymore. I quite like just... Staying at like because that's all orientated with um outdoor climbing, I feel. Yeah, living in a van and just living at the crag and just getting up and days. Yeah, I want to do it for a bit, but at the moment, it's just like comps that's all I want to do in it and train. Yeah, yeah, you can't be really in a van <laughs> nah. particularly well. <laughs> it's definitely associated with being a bit of a dirt bag, but. I feel that's the, the big side of climbing. 
be a shame to miss out on that. Yeah, it would be. Do you have any other questions that people had sent in for Jim? Do I? Yeah. Um, do you want to speak about um, trying? Yeah, yeah, can do. Yeah, your hard. We've got nothing to done. say about that, me and Max. <coughs> yeah, I've, I've done like kicking up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. No, yeah, I've only been trad climbing once, and I did like some V dip <laughs> and E one. I didn't even like place the gear. It was just a sling, and I just clipped a quick draw on it. It wasn't really bad, yeah. but yeah, nice. <laughs> I mean, I think for me. I like it for loads of different reasons. In the UK, obviously, that's kind of how climbing began. And I'm, I've always been really into like the history of climbing. So I'm into it from that side of things. Like I was saying earlier, I like climbing routes for kind of what they are and what they look like, that sort of thing and the history behind it. And a lot of trad routes are really famous and have like great stories behind them. But also, I think just as like i think most people climb because they like the challenge of it whether you have that through competition or just through training to get as good as you can with like boulder and lead i think that challenge is predominantly like physical whereas with trad that challenge is like really psychological which i just kind of really enjoy i really like being under that pressure where i don't think it's good to promote it but i think it is kind of for me it is a good thing to like have little doses of that kind of pressure where if you fall you're gonna i don't know break your legs or maybe die or something so yeah do you see a transfer between being able to deal with that being able to deal with pressure of a less or probably maybe more intense in some aspects but with less consequence say in a competition totally yeah totally i think when i moved to sheffield and started doing all the like a lot more of the trad stuff and there was a like a winter season where I was going out most days in the week just doing a lot of like really hyble things a lot of trad climbing quite a lot of soloing and for me I found that my like my head game was just so much better after it uh, for one when you when you climb with a much greater risk of um, risk of falling off all your senses are like heightened you know you're thinking about every single movement so much more and it's like everything, your whole body, all your body systems are kind of working together like perfectly. Well, because you have to, I guess. So I think that really helped the transfer across to like bouldering and stuff. So I was way more aware of like on moves, what I'd be doing right. And if I fall off, what went wrong to then fix it for the next go. But also just like I felt there'd be way less pressure on me when I was climbing because there are no like consequences. And I think once I even got over the fact with comps that like, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a comp. If you don't, if you don't do well, it's not the end of the world. Literally nothing will happen. No one's going to think any differently of you. Nothing has changed. And once I kind of like got over that fact, which I think came through the trad climber kind of, I think my mindset has been way better in comps and I've been doing better, getting better results as of then. So, probably not solely down to that but i think it has helped for sure yeah i feel like you've been a lot like recently you're really consistent and like you just smash out and i feel like you're just up there constantly now and i wouldn't like ever bet against (laughs) you i feel like that has definitely helped you for sure it's quite it's quite cool as well to think that that mental it's just mental toughness isn't it it's just hardening your shell So like everything else you do, you're just like, that's not, it's, it's easy. Like, it's not easy, but it's like, it's less yeah, of a yeah. risk and you're like, oh. And I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's very it's rare good. on like a trad route that you're at your absolute physical limit, but you just have to really concentrate on not making any mistakes. And the more you're exposed to that, I think you just kind of, it becomes more habit in your common climb, in your like everyday climb. And so when I'm in a comp, I'm just always really focusing on like not slipping, not falling off and, in boulder comps these days i think a lot of it comes down to like flashing boulders and not making any mistakes so yeah yeah for helped. sure i agree with that just to clarify we're not encouraging everyone to go <laughs> to <Halloween nights. laughs> yeah yeah because <laughs> no, you could do um like the training we do is like mental toughness as well like the intensity and like 
doing multiple days on, you're beating your body down and it's just like you're getting tired and you necessarily don't, when you wake up, you're like, oh, I don't want to train today. But then you do it and that's a little win yeah. for that day and you're like, oh yeah, mentally, I won there. And I feel like for Trad, it's doing the same thing but in a different way. Yeah, it's definitely so different. Like, but yeah, I, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I've got no experience with trad and basically no experience or frame to put competitions in like it at the time to me it just seemed like the most important thing in the world even though I can tell that it really isn't and there is no consequence of not doing well it's something that I need to work on I think ingraining into my head that yeah other things going on in life and my result in this competition does not define me or my climbing ability or whatever. So, yeah, I feel like... It's a hard thing to get uh, over, for sure. Yeah. I think everyone goes... Oh, every normal person will go through that with, with competing as well, you know? Like, I've definitely been in that and position. Yeah, same. And I feel like it's something you always get better at as, can always, as well and you can always improve on. Um, because like when I first came down to Leeds to train with precision, I like there's a boulder and sand butt where I could do it and I couldn't do it. And I was like, I was like, how can I not do this? And I didn't like because in Aberdeen, it's like, um, I'm just there myself and I'm training by myself and I don't have anyone yeah. to compare myself to unless it's at a competition. So it's kind of it's good, but it's also bad because I'm not learning from other people. But I can just isolate myself away and be like, okay, I feel good. And then I come down and just be fully confident. But yeah, in that training session, I got so <laughs> angry. And instead of using, instead of using it as a, like an opportunity, being like, okay, take a step back and look at Sam's body and how he was doing that flick move yeah. and how I could maybe have done it that way or a different way. I just got angry and had a bad session with that. I've kept that and highlighted it. So if I feel myself going back into that, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Or, I'm like, oh, I can't do it. Um, and I, that helps me so much yeah. with comps nice. as well. Because if you fall off, you, you can get into like, oh, shit. I totally, fell yeah. Off. But then it's learning to just live in that moment and be like, okay, so I fell off, but I've got another go. It's always refreshing to be forced to swallow your ego at times. But in Aberdeen, yeah, in Aberdeen you were by far the strongest kid there. And you come <laughs> down, well, yeah, you're still the strongest kid. There's going to be some aspects of climbing that you haven't refined as well as other people. Like, it's always going to be the case. You can't be the best at everything all the time. Yeah. So, being able to learn from seeing someone climb something better than you or do it faster than you is very important instead of seeing them do it, getting angry and kind of just blanking it out your head and trying to focus on the things that you can beat them at. That isn't really a healthy way to cope with it. Yeah, for sure. I feel like you can learn from everyone as well, not just people who are better than you. Um, and just, yeah. And people's attitudes and how they climb and how they just go about yeah, their life. Totally. And like now, while we're not able to climb, I've been watching so many climbing videos, like rewatching old comps, watching people climbing outside. Because even though you're not climbing, you can still like think. You can still kind of you can learn a lot from. Well, you obviously you can learn a lot from watching people, but you know you can watch people doing certain moves that you're not particularly good at, and even though you're not able to physically practice them just mentally seeing how they are done correctly i think has a massive transfer like to your climbing so hopefully when when we go back when we're allowed back on the walls it'll it'll pay off yeah yeah i think it will it's just like visualization yeah, exactly. like you do this in like comps and like training like you visualize yourself doing that move so if you're looking at other people doing it and making and like drilling that in your head like you're doing that move then truly like it will just be imprinted mm. in your brain and you can transfer it to your muscle memory from your mind. I think. I think this will apply to every climber, not just 
people at the top of the game. But when you're outside the climbing wall after all this is done, and there's bound to be people that are better than you if you're just an everyday climber, there's going to be people at the wall who are climbing harder than you. And instead of just seeing them as something separate from you, or you see them as a learning opportunity, mm -hmm. every small thing that they do. Because I found that even whilst being in York, it's quite rare that, like, say, Max comes down and we have a really good session and I learn a lot from him. Because usually there aren't that many strong climbers who train in York. It's not like a big hub for elite athletes. But learning to, in every aspect of someone's climbing, like, I'll see people at Red Goat where I train who maybe aren't climbing as hard as me, but are climbing something's better than me or are more dynamic than me or have better footwork than me. I've been able to learn to, rather than just seeing their climbing ability, to see their individual strengths and learn from those is quite important. Mm. Yeah, it's cool you can do that as well. It's interesting to see what goes through everyone's mind and how they try and become better themselves, just looking and seeing how they can improve. And I feel like with you saying you can look at people and be like, oh, they did this nice, they did that. It's good to like look at the beginners and be like, oh, they're doing this completely wrong. And it's like, I if I was in their shoes, I would do it this way. Yeah. I feel it's good to do both. Now, when I'm climbing with you guys, I'm always like watching and learning because I, I think, well, like on the coordination stuff, that sort of thing, both of you seem so much better at it than me and like... I think with coordination moves especially, you can learn a lot from like watching people's body positions when you take off or when you're setting up for the move, that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's definitely useful. Something I find interesting when training with you two is we're all pretty different shapes. Like me particularly compared to you two, I'm a lot taller. <laughs> I got less muscle. And it's quite interesting when we climb the same block in completely different ways, I think it's something. One of the best parts about the sport is that it isn't body type selective. Mm. Like I yeah. can climb as hard as you, and you can climb as hard as me, even though we're basically completely different shapes. Yeah, pros and cons to every shape, in it. Yeah, they cancel out over a season, or sometimes some climbs will be better suited to a short guy, but the next one may be better suited to me. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, when uh, Jim was speaking about when he had sessions with us and he like can learn so much from like, our dynamic stuff, with um, with Jim, like your climbing IQ, and you were speaking about this because um, you were doing trad, you're more aware of it, like when your foot yeah. placements and stuff and what you need to do to make that go the most effective and just like, you don't really, you can like look at the block and just figure out and know exactly what you need to do. With me, it's like most of the time I'll read a block and I'll do it completely <laughs> different because I just do it yeah. off feel instead of looking. And it's like me and Jim had a session in London and it was like day, our last session before BBC's. And like just the way we were on the blocks outside, what? warming up in the garden and it was the way he was like speaking about all this intricates and I couldn't do this move and he was just like oh yeah but you need to just turn your foot this way and drop your heel or something and I was like what you actually think of it like this and then it was just I didn't even think of like about that stuff and that little techniques and little intricates until then and now with Mark he like always yeah goes on about I think that's another thing which is so much like it's super easy to practice with with someone who's just getting into climbing like if you're at the wall and you're watching someone who's climbing for the first time they'll look so uncomfortable in positions on the wall and if you just sit back and think like what you'd change in their body position to like make them in like a much better shape for that move and i think i do that a lot just like in my head when i'm at the wall and stuff so and it's something i've I, i'm quite interested in like yeah, I guess practice it a lot. Yeah, it's super cool. And it's a really good trait to have. And like, I saw you, like, we're so good at it. So I was like, 
fuck, <laughs> I need to like start practicing this and add it to my my little bag of tricks. So I've nice. been doing that, which is cool. This is gonna blow my nose. You can think of a next thing to talk about. <laughs> Go on, just me. Are you are you done? Are you all done, Henry? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Um, when was the like? What's the most scared scared you've been in climbing, uh, or in life in general? Mm. I think that'll be an interesting question to answer. Must have been when your foot pops up. Nah, I think a lot of people say that, but that thing when the pebble snapped, it happened so fast. I didn't even really like have that much time to process it. I just. I was lucky enough that I just banged out a one armor and like pulled through the move, but, but I didn't. I didn't really think about it when I topped out, and when I was like afterwards, like when you think back on what actually happened, it's kind of it's worse sometimes because you 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 think about like the what the outcome would have been that sort of thing, and once it all like sets in, it's almost worse. But that that wasn't too bad. I've not had many like, thankfully, I've not had many sketchy moments really yeah not too many anyway yeah i've been i had a couple in uh spain just because it was my first trip like taking the quick draws out or whatever i'm just hanging on the rope <laughs> i'm just like right so i just unclip this one and i'm like not that far before maybe like four or five meters or something just like i'm just hanging from the rope like a uh, attached to the wall and i unclip my harness i'm just like in a one-arm lock off hanging on the rope <laughs> uh, italian friend of mine was feeling me was just like no clip in, clip back in clip back in because <laughs> i have absolutely no idea what i was doing then <laughs> i could barely be there i think yeah <laughs> uh, i learned pretty quickly Never nice. do that. good good <laughs> But at the time, it's not scary. It's... Yeah, if you if you're unaware of the, if you're unaware of it, it's not scary. You know, like yeah. you've probably been in loads of situations. You might have like been crossing the road, car comes just behind you, and you had your headphones, and you didn't realize, so you wouldn't even uh-huh. know it was like a close call or something. Yeah. So, I've I was climbing in Chamonix one time in up on the Agri de Midi on doing this famous route um called Digital Crack and there was like a big thunderstorm came in while we were while i was topping out and i topped out this route which is like a tower on the aguida midi so it's about three thousand meters and then i was stood on top of a tower holding a load of metal quick draws with thunder like striking onto the antenna of the ski station so that that was probably like and then actually like climbing out in that storm was pretty sketch but um yeah that, yeah but then at the same time at that time it didn't feel like that much but when you look back on it you probably you think like oh yeah that probably was that actually was a pretty shit situation <laughs> yeah. oh, it's so funny how i don't know how climbers get themselves into these situations and it always seems to work out until it doesn't yeah. <laughs> like you never think that what you're doing is particularly sketchy yeah. or dangerous until you look back at it and you look at other people who've been in the same situation and it's gone way worse yeah. for them. I mean, it doesn't, well, it doesn't always go to plan, does it? I mean, like last year with David Lama and Hans Jorg and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's part of the lifestyle, yeah, just a nice. risk that you have to take to follow your passion. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, that is a possible outcome if you take certain risks, like just any sort of mountaineering or outdoor climbing aspect is a kind of risk. Yeah, totally. And when you're in those certain terrains, so much of it's out of your control as well, you know? Like, you can't do anything if an avalanche comes on a mountain or something. It's just, yeah. Deep. Yeah. Deep. That is deep, isn't it? Do you think you're going to get into, like, I think, climbing? Well, for me, like, I really like doing bits of all sorts. I don't want to just be, like, a climber who's good at one thing. I'd love to be, like, really all round. So I, I, I don't really like the cold. So I don't think it's something I'll ever do, like, a lot. But I'd definitely like to try it at some point. 
like yeah. I'd like to do I, some mountaineering. I'd like to do I, some winter climbing, but I don't think it'll ever be my main focus. I think me and Max yeah. turned blue when we went <laughs> swimming, in, <laughs> swimming in a river. I don't think we did too well. That was yeah. your that was your closest death in call, Wales, Max, that backflip in the river. <laughs> oh. oh, my days. Well, yeah, for people who haven't, like, our world champ. We'll put the um, video on our Instagram of our last... podcast. <laughs> yeah, you could put all three like, closest YouTube. clips. The appointment with death slip, Max's yeah. backflip, and... I'll recreate my... <laughs> <and Hayman. laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm clipping. Uh, yeah, what was it? Like, how high do you think that... Um, seven meters. It's pretty high. You could have yeah, exaggerated that a bit more for the podcast. Sorry, but... Yeah, I know, but Sorry. you should have said, like, 12. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seven metres is pretty yeah, tall. Just... That's like... Yeah, it is. Yeah, especially... The... Oh, you can tell the story. It's like two boulder balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like... Yeah. Um, we were just jumping off the bridge into the water, and it's like... It's quite shallow around the water, but this one bit is quite deep. So you have to aim for that bit. And there was this little kid who's like nine or like 10 or 12 or whatever. And he's doing like bat flips and running off the edge and like doing cartwheels and flipping in. And it was mad. And I was like, I can do bat flips. So I'll, I'll do a bat flip up this. And then Kieran, who's like not as good at bat flips and stuff, standing on the ground as me. Um, he did it. I was like, ah, <laughs> fuck it. I'll just do it. And then I totally, oh, I just... I basically did a bath in like before I started like falling down. So I totally over rotated and I just remember like I already did a bath flip and I was like not even halfway like down the seven meters and I was like, This is bad and I just slammed my back on the water. And then I was like but I was like fine. And I was like, okay, that's not that bad. It's just stinging. Which is a good sign. If it's hurting, then it's probably okay, I think. So I just swam out and I was like, oh, that was scary. And then, yeah, everyone under, there's heaps of people watching as well. And then all you hear is like, everyone like, <gasps> yeah, that was, that was a bit scary. No, it wasn't that scary. Um, and as a kid as well, this is probably my ne- nearest death experience. <laughs> I electrocuted myself. And that was, that was pretty scary. Like, I was like, how old was it like 10 or something and i was coming out of um i just out the shower getting ready for scouts okay i wanted to like dry my hair so i went into my sister's room and i was like oh can i borrow um, the hair dryer and she's like oh yeah yeah cool cool and her rat she had a rabbit at the time and her rabbit like went about her room and she was just playing with it and chewed through like all the wires and my sister knew and she didn't tell me so like all the wires were chewed through and i was like can I use your head around? She was like, yeah. So I, I didn't even notice. I just thought it was like, I could see the shiny, like, um, bits of wire through the plastic. And I just thought it was like nail varnish, what was like on the wires, because it's like purple and blue. And I was like, oh, the wires are all tangled. So I thought, I'm going to be nice and untangle the wires. And I started doing that. And then I got very cute and I couldn't let go. And it was just like, time slowed down. I was trying to let go of the wires. And like, my whole body tensed up. And I couldn't let go. And I've still got scars on my um, fingers where the plastic melted in. And then I was like, yeah, I couldn't let go. And it was so scary. And I tried flying. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I was, I was pretty scary. But then, I, like, 10 minutes later, I was just like, I had scouts. And I went to scouts. I thought... <laughs> I thought I, I swear down. I went. I went to scouts and I was like, I was pretty traumatized from my experience. I was just standing there and then I was like, he was like, oh Max, you don't really look that very well. I was like, oh, I just got electrocuted and then they all started <laughs> laughing. I almost cried because I was like, what are you crying for? Like, I just got wrecked. And then yeah, they didn't. They just thought it was funny because I was fine. But yeah, I thought <laughs> I could run faster after that, but probably couldn't. I was like. Probably have superpowers, but nah, not quite as dramatic. But I once licked an electric fence. <laughs> quite outdo that, <laughs> just out of curiosity. Mate, you're a sad. Why? Uh, when was it? A couple this? of weeks ago, I just. 
Nah, it has about four or something. <laughs> it's on a walk. Mad. I wanted to see what it tasted like. <laughs> see what yeah. electric fence tastes like. Did you know it was an electric yeah, fence? Yeah, it was buzzing. think it was a normal fence? And I'd been told it was an electric fence and not to touch Mad. it. Mad. So you licked but, it. That's why I licked it. Mad. <laughs> so, yeah. I've, I've touched an electric fence once, but I was in like, it was like to keep horses in or whatever. My mum was just like, oh, go touch this. So I went up and I, I swear down, she's like, go touch this. So I went up and like pressed it. And I was like, Zzz. I was like, Wah. and she was just pissing herself laughing at me. I was like, crying. Um, yeah, once in science, actually. Do you remember you had them like ant boxes and they ha- would have two like clips on the end? Oh yeah, and, uh, you you could. Yeah. There was like a crank, like a dial, where you could turn it up like to different voltages. So I was just holding both the clips and messing around with my friends, and we had it at like three or whatever, and you could feel like a little buzz. But then one guy just went zap and just cranked it up to ten, and then that was the same. Just like got zapped by these. Uh... Maybe there's a connection between climbing yeah. ability and or stupidity and getting into climbing. Yeah, I think that's more accurate. Yeah. I reckon it definitely is. If you dedicate your life to climbing bits of plastic and rock, totally trivial sport. <laughs> totally, but eh, it's fun. Yeah, and that's why we do it. Yeah, essentially, it's for sure. Yeah, nothing else I'd really rather be doing. I don't know if that's just because it's all I've ever done, but. I don't know. It seems pretty ideal. I don't think it was all you've ever done for, is it? Like you've done heaps of sports. You're well good at football. <laughs> I'm not anymore. I used you know? to be all right, but yeah. I don't know. I think the biggest thing that made me transfer from football to climbing, I had to make a decision because I could train both. It was just the community, like the football community. Everyone's parents were all shouting yeah. at each other and shouting at all the kids at the referee. And at the climbing wall, everyone was so nice. Like my, when I was like nine, my dad would leave me there. I'd just ask some people if they would just look out for me, whatever. Like it was just, everyone was just looking out for you instead of shouting at you or trying to outdo you. So yeah, that was the biggest attraction to me when I was younger. Nice. What about you, Jim? Yeah, I did quite a bit until I was like, I mean, so for me, well, when I was younger in London, they didn't they didn't let kids climb in the walls until you were nine. So I only climbed outside until I was nine, except for like occasionally I'd go to Mile End or something because they let kids in younger. But so I'd maybe climb indoors like once a month. So I I didn't properly get I knew what climbing was and I'd go climbing, but I didn't properly start going climbing regularly until I was like nine. So before that, I did like a lot of swimming. And I kept doing that until I was probably 13, maybe. And I did quite a lot of athletics, um, a bit of like messing around, skateboarding, that sort of thing. But swimming was like the main thing. I used to compete in swimming. I was quite good in that. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I I think that that transfers quite well just for like good, like body strength, like all round. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's good for like mm. not getting injured yeah. as well because you get that yeah, full range of motion going through like the strokes. Ross Edgley, I know Max knows who was talking about having like a base fitness, like a maybe you can describe it better. What was his phrase, Max? For for work capacity, Just like, as kids being or generally fit for sport, like being phys- physiologically in touch with your body. That's what you were saying in Russia. Like the Soviets to train kids before they developed into specific athletes, they would every kid they would get to do running, jumping, push ups, general sport, and then when they showed a passion, they would develop Just... and refine the sportsman from that base fitness. So, I think with climbers, it's, it's quite yeah, you quite yeah. often find they've had a varied sporting background because it is such a full body mm. sport and such a sport that's dependent on mindset and so many factors unlike say archery which is a very fine skill and you only ever 
use one aspect of your fitness where climbing you need endurance you need strength you need speed you need flexibility accuracy accuracy so yeah i think it's not uncommon in climbers to find a very wide uh, base to their sporting ability yeah because you need to be really body aware and that's what he was going on about like it just increases your body awareness as you're a child and you can develop it more where it's like if you were speaking um if you're doing like this one specific movement like golf or archery you're just doing yeah. a repetitive thing over and over again so you're not developing every other thing um in your body which is well cool yeah that is well cool i guess we're just lucky we found it so young and get to do it every day so what has everyone Oof. done today i had a little I had a little mini, uh, I actually tried to deliver some post to find out that all of the small branches of post offices have closed. So I walked to about six small post offices that were closed, which took about an hour before I got to the main, like a bigger post office, which was open. And I got there at 10 and it opened at 10 and people had been queuing for an hour. So I was then like, oh, forget this. So yeah, it was a, a lot of walking without a successful outcome do you want me to leave this anecdote yeah. in if, if you want yeah <laughs> i'm sure it'll be appreciated. so that was my hour of exercise today and i did a tiny bit of climbing on my nice on my little wall what about you max what are you done um just got up did my morning routine as always went out on the board made up some blocks and then came in and stretched had lunch had a coffee <laughs> got buzzing for this <laughs> need to be focused and just take that performance enhancing supplements <laughs> i can talk no nah, not much um yeah just yeah the usual isn't it i've been starting meditating Do the same. Do the more same thanks to have you? you and uh some podcasts i've been listening to nice talking about it so yeah I think in the morning it has helped me a lot. Just it was what's his name on the Tim Ferriss podcast. Josh Wazinski. I can't remember his name. Was that his name? Oh yeah, Wazinski. Yeah. Talking that. about yeah, yeah, yeah. in the morning, first thing when you look at your phone, you're living a reactive life. Like you're just constantly reacting to stimuli, looking at your emails, looking at Instagram messages, Snapchats, whatever. And then you're just constantly reacting to external stimuli instead of spending a bit of time to focus internally and not let that affect your day as a whole. Because when you start checking Snapchat straight away, you get into a habit and that can last basically the whole day. You're just getting into a routine mm. of reacting to external stimuli, not living at your own pace. So yeah, it's definitely been helping me to focus more and spend my time better yeah for sure and it's like on social media and stuff and like instagram especially like people only post that good stuff and like can't you constantly compare yourself i don't think i don't think we do that as much but like yeah other kids and people they compare themselves to other people and see like what a good life they have and you're constantly doing that subscribe like and not noticing that so meditation really helps you to be aware and like, oh, I'm not going to look at my phone. And it stops that um, pattern yeah. from reoccurring. Do you meditate? Pardon? Which is cool. Do you meditate? Um, I wouldn't say I, I meditate as such, but I definitely like, well, whatever you want to call it, I'll have like little periods where I like, be more in touch with kind of i'll just sit quietly or whatever or like take in my surroundings sit in the garden or something before reading a book or something but i've i don't actively sit down and focus on my breathing and clear my mind really i just yes. kind of yeah there's something i was thinking earlier when you were talking about trad climbing because for me meditation is essentially focusing only on the present yeah right that's basically the aim of it and when you're yeah trad climbing you're saying you have pinpoint focus on 
every aspect of your body and absolutely nothing else. So you're not thinking about what you're having for tea. You're not yeah. thinking about who left the oven on. You're just thinking about, is my foot in the best position yeah, exactly. to do this move? And when you're completely centered on a very fine, like fine aspect of the world, basically, when you're just in your own head, thinking about, is my hand in the correct position? Blah, 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 all of that. It's essentially a form of meditation, yeah. even though yeah, yeah. outside it may look a bit more stressful and chaotic. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people kind of say for them, climbing's like a good break from everything. Like when you're climbing, you're not thinking about anything else, just the movement. But it is true to like some extent, you just kind of, yeah, can switch off from everything. It's probably a good place to end, I think. To round off. Good message. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Thank yeah. you very much, Jim. No worries. For... Thanks, thanks for having me. It's, it's been an honour. I hope we'll have you again. Yeah, I'd love to come <laughs> back. And look look oh, forward yeah. to listening to your next episode. Of course, yeah. What we're going to do is yeah. every yeah. Friday, we're going to have uh, me and Max talking, podcasting, all that. And then in the week, such as today with Jim's episode, we're going to have a guest on. Maybe not every week, but whenever we have a guess we really want to share or what are some potential people you got lined up for your for your fans oh. teaser teaser well <laughs> mate we haven't thought yet we haven't asked I've anybody. Got quite well, a few messages <laughs> of people who would be willing to come on so yeah you'll just have to wait and see oh, okay. not willing to disclose oh, okay. yet. don't want to put any pressure on anyone to <laughs> not giving Sorry, you the truth I heard Andre's going to come and he's going to actually do his screams when you sneeze <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, mate. That's one day we'll get Andra, and maybe the next nice. week we'll get yeah, Joel. Yeah, Rogan said like just saying how uh, much he enjoyed our first episode. So hopefully he'll be coming on <laughs> soon. So yeah, thanks for listening. As always, message with any topics or guests you'd like to have on, and yeah, we'll see you next time.